Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin our time in his word together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the blessings we've already enjoyed as we've sung together and prayed and heard from your word. And uh, Lord, the way that you minister to us in song and in word, Lord, we know that you're good and that your mercy endures forever. And Lord, I pray that as we come to this point where we study deeply and drink deeply from the well of your word, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive it, that you would call us out as disciples and that we might leave this place ready to tell others, to proclaim to this world as we go, uh, that you are the one true king and that you rule over all things. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look at a very famous passage that's known as the Great Commission. Uh, it'll be Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 21. And we're, uh, I've been working through, if you remember, uh, working through a series on discipleship. And, and I started out with the idea that we would define different words that are used to refer to a disciple or the process of discipleship. And so uh, over the last seven or eight weeks or seven or eight times that we've looked at these things, um, I've been defining the word that is translated for our English word disciple, which is the Greek word Mathetes. And so we've looked at how a disciple is chosen by God, a disciple is loved by God, a disciple is to abide in God, he is to uh, serve others and all of those things. And we, we've come, he's to patiently wait on the Lord. And so we've done all that to define what a disciple is. And we come to the last definition that I want to give to you for this idea of who a disciple is today. And we've seen that uh, the, that a disciple is to uh, depend on the Lord and is to be led by the Lord, is to uh, wait on the Lord. And so today we come to this last definition, which is that a disciple makes other disciples by pointing them to Jesus. So a disciple is someone who makes other disciples by pointing them to Jesus. And so to see that, we want to read Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 21 together. Follow along as I read this passage. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there are two points that I want you to see from this passage this morning that help us to understand, uh, understand this calling that we all have as disciples to make other disciples. And uh, the first point that I want you to see is the aims of discipleship. And second, I want you to see the actions of discipleship. So this short but famous passage is called the Great Commission because it is the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And it's called the Great Commission because this command gives us the marching orders for the church. Jesus leaves his disciples with what they are to do 
until he returns. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we aren't just to patiently wait and pray as we wait on his return. And we aren't just to faithfully serve one another and to care for one another. We are called to actively do something. We are called, as Jesus says it here, to make disciples of all nations. Now, this command of Jesus is concise and profound in the direction that it gives his disciples. And it's interesting because it sums up in, in one or two, two sentences, it sums up everything that disciples and the church in, in general are to be about. It's profound, firstly, because it tells us the aims of our discipleship. What exactly is to be the motivation for discipling the nations? What are we to, to disciple them in? What is the aim and the goal of our discipleship? So there are three aims that I want you to notice from this text for our discipleship. First, we are to aim for the adoration of Jesus Christ. We are to aim for the worship and glory, for the adoration of Jesus Christ. Notice it says in verse 17 that the disciples worshiped Jesus when they saw him, but some doubted. Now, in this brief statement, I think that Matthew is kind of shorthanding all of the post-resurrection experiences that the disciples had with Jesus. He's shorthanding the, I think what he has in mind is the story of the women at the tomb and Peter and John when they saw Jesus first and the first and second upper room experiences and doubting Thomas and the disciples on the road to Emmaus and the fishing trip in Galilee. So all of those stories, I think, are kind of summed up in this statement. They worshiped him, but some doubted. So time and again, the disciples saw the risen Christ, but were doubtful in one way or another. So as a, as a final answer to all of their doubt, Jesus makes a statement in verse 18 that is, is pivotal to our aim in discipleship. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this statement both affirms their worship because you notice it says that he, they worshipped him. And Jesus doesn't say, no, y'all shouldn't be worshipping me. You should be worshipping God. No, what he says is, you're right. All authority has been given to me, so you should be worshipping me. It affirms their worship, but it also gives them motivation for the command that he's about to leave them with. You see, to disciple, uh, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to worship Jesus as the one who has all authority. To be a disciple of Jesus is to devote your life to his honor and his glory, even being willing to lose your life for his sake so that he might gain glory through people that come to know him. So in the call of making disciples of all the nations, our first aim is to point people to Jesus. Oh, you, you can't miss this. You have to catch this. You see, the act of making disciples, the goal of missions, the view, uh, uh, the very passion of the church is to be the glory of Christ. 
Our first aim is to lift him up that all men might be drawn to him. So often, the process of discipleship in the church, the focus of, the, of discipleship of the, in the church is either on spiritual disciplines like reading your Bible and praying and, and fasting and all of those things, or it's on programs, or it's on making good citizens, or, or how to have a good life. So often our, our focus is on horizontal concerns and less on the majesty and worthiness of Christ. But to make disciples, we have to first and most importantly point them to Jesus. We have to call them to trust in him. We have to point them to his authority and his power. And we have to call them to rest in him and to rely on him. Second, the aim of discipleship is the authority of Jesus. Look again at verse 18. Jesus sets up the command that he's going to give them by saying that he has authority. He has all authority. Now notice that Jesus doesn't say that he has authority over the church. He doesn't say that he has authority over those who believe in him. He doesn't say that he has authority over the angels or creation. He says... I have been given all authority over heaven and over earth. There is not one thing outside of the authority of Jesus Christ. According to Matthew chapter 9 verse 6, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. In John chapter 5 verse 27, we find that he has authority to judge all men. In John chapter 17, verse 2, we see that he has authority to grant eternal life to whom he will. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says that he has been placed above every authority that can be named. Does God, uh, uh, what about Nathan Skipper? Jesus rules over Nathan Skipper. What about Governor Ivy? Jesus rules over her. What about President Biden? Jesus rules over him. What about the Pope? Jesus rules over him. What about Satan and all of his minions? Jesus rules over every last one. So this authority means two things for our aim of discipleship. First, our goal in making disciples is to bring men and women to recognize and to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Now hear me on what I'm saying on this. Hear what I'm saying here. When we proclaim the gospel, we are not begging. When we proclaim the gospel, we are not pleading with people to believe. We are announcing the victory of King Jesus over death and hell. We are proclaiming that this Jesus has all authority and will one day return to judge this world in righteousness. So we're not like, this isn't like Tinkerbell, where if you don't believe in him, he doesn't have any power. Jesus isn't like Tinkerbell. Jesus has all authority over every 
power that would name authority in this world. And we are, when we tell the world about Jesus, we're not apologizing, we're not begging, we're not asking, we are proclaiming that He has risen again and you must repent and believe in Him to have eternal life. It also means that there is nothing that can ultimately stand in our way. Now that sounds kind of strange because we live in a present age in which it seems like everything is standing in our way. It seems like the media is set against us. It seems like the government is set against us. It seems like nothing. uh, We have loss after loss when it comes to our desires for a moral, godly nation. But understand that, yes, in our day, it might feel like we are losing. It might feel like we don't have authority. It might feel like Jesus isn't understood or believed upon. But understand that this is just a, a blip on the map of God's purpose in this world. And we are called to be faithful in it. And as we are faithful in it, we can rest assured that ultimately Jesus wins. That Now, sure, Satan may persecute us and ungodly rulers may stand against us and unjust laws might restrict us, but they will all fail because Jesus has authority over them. The gospel of Jesus Christ will be be victorious and we can go to our neighbor. We can disciple our children. We can witness to our co-workers knowing that Jesus Christ will win. And the third aim of discipleship is association with Jesus. In verse 19, Jesus commissions his disciples to go and make disciples of all all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the aim of discipleship, the aim of our discipleship is to call people to identify with Jesus through baptism. Baptism, and understand me on this, if you are, are, are nervous about baptism, if you've been putting off baptism, I want you to understand that baptism isn't an optional add-on to your walk with Jesus. Baptism isn't a ritual that's meant to give you a personal peace of mind. It's not something you do just to feel better about yourself. Baptism is a sign and a marker that you have been set apart. It marks you out as one who has been called out by God. So to identify with Jesus is to identify through the rite of baptism. It is to go under the water and identify with His death. And it is to rise up from that water into new life, symbolizing the fact that you have been called from death to life to walk after Jesus. So now that we've seen the aims of discipleship, let's consider the actions of discipleship. There are two actions that Jesus gives for how we are to make disciples. First, Jesus says that we are to teach them. Now, the Greek word for teaching uh, that's used there is the word didache. And we're going to talk a good deal about this idea of teaching or didache in the coming weeks. But for now, I want you to see the connection between discipleship and teaching. 
So you need to understand first and foremost that you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ apart from submitting to the teaching of the church. Now, to be a disciple is to learn way learn the ways of Jesus Christ from scripture as it is taught and modeled by godly men and women. So I say this because of my own personal experience with people who uh, both as I've ministered in different churches, but also when I was coming up as a believer, as a new believer, uh, and I went to college, there was, it was very popular in my, uh, in my college days for uh, people to say that they could be a disciple of Jesus apart from the work of the church. So there, there were several people that I ran into at Auburn who, were, who said, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I would say, well, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. I don't like organized religion. Uh, or I uh, ran into one guy, I think I've told this story before, who looked like every painting you've ever seen of Jesus. You know, he had the long hair. He walked without shoes on uh, during, uh, at school. And uh, he, uh, he said that he was a Christian Buddhist. I have no idea. I still, to this day, I talked to him for hours and I still don't know what he means by that. But, um, but the, the idea was that you could have a relationship with Jesus. You could, you could walk with Jesus. You could be a disciple of Jesus. You could read your Bible and study and pray and all of those things. But you didn't have to be a part of a local body of believers. You didn't have to be a part of the, uh, the process of discipleship in a local church. But that is not at all what Jesus means here in this Great Commission. In fact, he means quite the opposite. If you are to be a disciple of Jesus, then you will submit yourself to discipleship in a local church so that you can be taught and led and see the, the faithfulness of a, a, a disciple modeled before you in godly men and women who have gone before us. Also understand that this is the primary mission of the church. If, if a disciple is to be taught in a church and to be, to be uh, led by godly men and women, then the, uh, the other side of that coin is true as well. That our focus, brothers and sisters, as a church is primarily on the teaching of disciples. It is the making of disciples. It is the leadership in how to follow Jesus that is to be our primary concern as a church. I said last week or last time I preached on this subject that, you know, the, the idea, uh, the popular idea that the church's main focus should be service and, and being out in the community and doing good works and things like that is actually not really a biblical concept. The primary concern of the church is the proclamation of the gospel and the teaching and raising up of disciples. Our energy, our commitment and focus must be directed towards teaching the ways of Christ. And the second action Jesus gives is that we should teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. 
Now, I, I got hung up on this word observe as I was studying for my sermon. And I'm no Greek scholar. I, in fact, I would just go ahead and tell you I, I use a Bible app to understand the Greek. I don't know it myself. But, but the, uh, the, I'm no Greek scholar. But in my opinion, as I was studying this word for observe, it's not the best translation of the Greek word that is terio. Uh, so the word terio is from the is is from a military term, and it means quite literally to be shackled to or to be to hold fast to. It's the idea of a guard who is assigned to a prisoner, and he is locked by shackle to that prisoner. So to observe the things that I have commanded you, when Jesus says that, what he is saying is that we should teach people to hold fast to, to, to bind themselves to the words of Jesus, to the word of Christ, to the commands of Christ. It's not just, it's not the idea that we teach uh, some helpful guidelines for life or that we teach how to have healthy living or we teach how some helpful tips on a fulfilled life. We are to teach disciples that they are to guard or to hold fast to the commands of Christ. Disciples of Jesus are to form their very existence around the words of Jesus. We are to shackle ourselves to it. We are to bind ourselves to it and to hold fast. So friend, Jesus has all authority. He's proven this by rising again from the dead. He doesn't need your vote. And He isn't waiting on you to respond so that He might be a part of your life. He is right now the Lord of heaven and earth who will return to judge the wicked and the dead, the, the quick and the dead. But He is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. He has died so that you might have eternal life through Him. He has died so that you might be forgiven for your rebellion and sin. Won't you repent and follow Him today that you might have eternal life through Him? Brothers and sisters, as disciples of Jesus, we are called to make disciples of all nations. We're called to teach our children the ways of the Lord. We're called to build up other believers through our church. We're called to witness to Christ with our friends and our co-workers and our community. May we faithful carry, faithfully carry out this mission, this great commission, as we go into this world this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this calling that we have as disciples to make other disciples. Father, I pray that as a church, we will be faithful to that very task. I pray that as individual believers, we would be faithful to that very task. That we would, as we go into this world, we be uh, faithful witnesses for you. That we would commit ourselves to your authority. That we would commit ourselves to your teaching. And that we would build one another up as we are called to. To hold fast to the teachings of Christ and to walk in faithfulness with him. Father, I pray that you would bless us as we respond in faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.